and welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. My name is Dr Caroline Walker and I'm a psychiatrist and a specialist in doctor's well-being. Uh, These next few podcasts are going to be a special series of podcasts in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, looking at lots of different ways that we can support ourselves as doctors um, out there struggling through this, um, these challenging times. So please, if you find these um, podcasts helpful, please do spread them far and wide uh, to your doctor colleagues and to other healthcare professionals, or in fact, anyone you think might be helped by them. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this latest episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast. Um, I am really thrilled today. We have got a special episode. Um, I'm getting to interview somebody that really inspires me personally and is doing something incredible at the moment. Um, And that is Emma Henderson from Project Wingman. Hi, Emma. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely brilliant to be able to chat to you today. Oh, it's so great. I'm really excited um, to have this opportunity actually to hear a bit more about Project Wingman and to spread the word about it because I just think it's a most wonderful um, idea and I just I just think it's amazing. So tell us, tell us a bit about it. Tell us about you. Tell us about Project Wingman. How did it all come about? Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, I was until September last year, I was an airline captain flying for a large European airline which has orange aircraft and um, as a result of having done that job I had appeared in um, an ITV documentary so I had sort of become known as Captain Emma and um, in March last year I was flying around doing my job flying around Europe and suddenly the news broke that you know one day there was this virus in China the next minute all aircraft were grounded and it looked like a very, very bleak future Mm. for us. And it has been quite bleak actually. So Mm. literally um, I can remember, and I probably will never forget my last flight, which turned out to be my last ever flight. Mm. And uh, I just had this sort of feeling that something massive was coming towards us that we couldn't control. You know, I imagine like standing on a beach and watching a tidal wave coming towards you and not knowing what to do really. So, you know, I sort of came home and, kind of figured that that was the last time I was going to be down south for a while which was true but actually at the same time I just knew that there was something that we could do to help that there had to be something we could do to help with this situation because you know there are thousands and thousands of air crew in the air every day and suddenly we weren't and Mm -hmm. there are a unique set of skills that air crew hold Mm. Um, as a result of their doing their jobs every day and as a result of the training they receive so I knew that there was a way of matching those up somehow with being able to support the NHS and I wasn't quite sure because that was the other big story in the news you know airlines are going to be grounded nobody's going to be able to go anywhere and the NHS is about to be punched in the face basically and um, there had to be a way we could help And I actually initially thought, well, you know, cabin crew all first aid trained, perhaps they Mm. could go and physically help in hospitals. But Mm. as it turned out, I was introduced to a couple of other people that were thinking along similar lines. Mm. And it's those transferable skills of, you know, caring for people and Mm. meeting people where they're at, basically, that we've been able to put to good use. And so Project Wingman was born and that happened kind of about a year ago now actually and our first hospital launched at the end of March at the Whittington Mm -hmm. and our first hospital lounge at the Whittington in London and it's still running. So what are these lounges? What are they all about? Who are they for? What do they do? What's the idea? So the idea is that we take air crew who are grounded Mm. and um we send them into a space in the hospital. So we ask the hospital to provide us with a space that's large enough to practice social distancing, mm-hmm. is separated from patients mm-hmm. so that it's only accessible to staff and that d- provides the protection that we need yeah. um, as well as PPE that's worn and everything. Um, so that provides us with a degree of protection from infection. And um, then we ask for tea and coffee and things like that to be provided. So we said, we'll come in and provide effectively tea and empathy. And Mm. in doing that, what we're basically doing is wrapping our arms around the NHS and saying, we've got this. 
So, um, so you're caring. It was beautifully staff. described, actually. So you're, you're yeah, for, it's for all NHS staff. Yeah. So instead of having passengers on your exactly. airline, you're, you've now got the NHS staff or your sort of passengers who you're looking after, who you're taking care of, who you're talking to, wrapping your arms around and offering a cup of tea or coffee. Yeah. Very much so. And that's all it is. You know, we're not trained counsellors. Um, we're just professionals who during the course of our normal working day, um, you might come on board an aircraft and we don't know if you're you know, the CEO of some big multinational company or if you serve dinners in school. To yeah. us, you're all equal. Yeah. So when you come on board an aircraft, you're all the same. Yeah. And um, that's the same in the hospital. We don't actually know when you walk into a hospital lounge, yeah. if you're a senior consultant anaesthetist yeah. or if you're a porter yeah. to us you're equally as important and and I think that really matters yeah um and so yeah we basically the, the cup of tea is there to facilitate the empathy really <laughs> so you know people are more likely to chat over a hot drink than yeah. they are to just come in and say oh, I need to talk yeah. um and there's no need to talk about problems either um often just being able to talk to somebody and we've touched on this a little bit this morning haven't we Caroline that you know the isolation we've all felt yeah absolutely not able to go to work you know you don't bounce ideas off each other if you can't see them we're really missing that face-to-face -face human contact and although you might be doing it socially distanced it, it does even feel better just being in the same room as somebody as opposed to being on a screen exactly yeah. that and you know um just some at the very beginning and some of the people who are listening to this might well have been these people but there were lots of people who were going into hospitals for their shifts mm -hmm. and they didn't go home for weeks yeah so um you know sleeping in the hospital yeah. even simple things like access to phone chargers so they could still communicate with their families yeah um toothbrushes things like that so the Whittington set up an Amazon wish list to help provide for these things and then hospitals over the throughout the whole country were inundated with generous donations from the public but they all needed to be distributed yeah because of this sort of fight or flight you know I need sugar and I need it now and I need lots of it kind of thing yeah so that kind of added to the idea of the tea and empathy lounge so it developed then into uh, what we've called first class lounges because we want to provide first class service for what we consider to be first class people who every single day whether we choose for you to look after us or not you will look at we know that if something happens to us NHS staff are going to look after us yeah. so it's basically just our way of saying you know this is how we can be um, I guess the rock that you can anchor your ship to in the storm so you start um, in whatever way it's amazing absolutely amazing you started with that one lounge back in March last year when the Covid sort of first peaks hit how many what's it grown into then over this last year? Well that's been the staggering thing because you know we really thought we might serve a couple of hospitals in London with maybe 100 volunteers or something yeah now we have 6,000 volunteers on our database we have had lounges in 94 different trusts um, yeah. across the country across all four nations because we opened in Belfast just before Christmas wow. and um, that's stretched over the length and breadth of the country so the furthest north is my local hospital which is Dr Gray's in Elgin yeah. in Murrayshire um, right in the north of Scotland and then we've gone all the way down the country I think the furthest south um, is probably in Devon um, wow uh, but but possibly one of the south coast i'm not sure exactly yeah. which is the geographically the furthest south but we go all the way down to the Lands south coast on a great. So that's incredible so and how are people using them how are they finding them what kind of feedback are you getting from the hospital staff or less oh we just lost your connection just slightly there we'll give it a couple of seconds i'm sure it will come back to it oh well it's been we can this is the world we're oh, living in, isn't it? Sorry, one second. I think we've got you back now, Emma. Yeah, sorry. See, we, I was just asking. So sorry about um, that. No, don't worry. Um, we all know, don't we? This is this is the modern the world we're living in. Um, uh, we, I was just asking what sort of feedback you've been getting from um, people using the lounges. Yeah, well, that's been amazing because, you know, we went in to look after people and we are inundated with emails, messages, cards, texts, uh, tweets, all the time saying thank you so much you've really 
changed my life. You've made a difference to my day. You've, you've helped me get through this, um, which is just, it, yeah, that yeah. it wasn't what we, yeah, we, we, we were never set out to get that sort of level of thanks, but we have really made, we realize we've really made a tangible difference to the lives of the people who've been able to go into our lounges. Yeah. And what I love and, about um, it's very much in alliance with what we do at Joyful Doctor as well is that it's not some big fancy intervention. It's not complicated. This is just based on basically being human and compassionate and caring for one another, just having a safe space where you can land and just it's exactly. Open. Yeah. That I just think Absolutely. is so powerful. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, um, I think it's very difficult to really appreciate how amazing it is when you're in it as you know as I have been immersed in it now for almost yeah. a year yeah. and to the point where you know if I hadn't have had Project Wingman to focus on I yes. probably would still be working for my airline and and having this to focus on mm. helped me to understand that I could step away from the job that was becoming increasingly difficult for me to do because I couldn't get there anymore yeah yeah um, and a lifestyle that actually you know looking back I think yeah I'm, I'm kind of okay with the fact that I'm walking away I, I can switch that lifestyle off now I don't need to be beasting myself all the time well and I wonder I wonder actually whether people listening, because most of our listeners will be healthcare workers, they'll be doctors, nurses, et cetera. I wonder whether many will identify with that, actually, that idea that they were working before COVID in a way that was pretty much unsustainable, actually, really. We all were. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we all were. I and think we all were. I think that, uh, you know, we, we've, there's so much pressure on us. And this is how you and I first met, really, isn't it, Caroline? Yeah. That, you know, my husband heard you on the radio and and I then listened to what you had to say and I said yeah that exactly that and um you know we 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 think that we've got we I think we think that success is earn as much money as possible you know have a flash car have the biggest house you can when actually success is really have enough yeah you know make sure you have enough um yeah it's a meaningful life isn't it rather than a happy pleasurable life well, I just think, what, what's the point of flogging yourself yeah. if actually that means, in my case, it meant that, yes, I was earning a lot of money and I loved my job as well. Um, but actually, I was away from my family for, you know, five days at a time. Yeah. When I came home, I was constantly tired and crabby, um, yeah. although some of my family would argue that that's nothing to do with my job. <laughs> 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 I will write them out if I will. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we don't need to live like that. It's too yeah. fast paced. And actually, what are we really gaining? Because actually, if we're burning our own houses down to do it, yeah. what's the point? And this, so, I think this is a really interesting time we're in right now. Like we're recording this at the beginning of March. I, I will go out in the next month or two. And I, I think this is a very interesting time because we're one year on, right? From when, like you described so beautifully, one minute, you're living your life, you're flying, you're doing your job. The next minute, bang, everything's turned upside down. You're, you're literally grounded, weren't you? And we, you know, our worlds in healthcare were just turned completely inside out. Everybody being reorganized, a real sense of fear. I, I really related to that um, that feeling you had of something coming that you sort of knew, that you sort of sensed. Because I, I turned, um, happened to turn 40 the week before lockdown and I'd organized this family party. Um, and we happened to, we had it just a few days before lockdown kind of came into effect so it was this it was this golden day where we hadn't quite got to the point yet where we felt like we weren't allowed to see each other like it was almost the last day that we felt it was okay it was allowed it was you know it was safe it was okay after that it just everything changed everything changed but even on that day when we were all together we knew I remember saying to everybody thank you so much for coming we don't know what the next few months or the next year is going to hold, but something's coming. And it's so nice to be able to be here with you. Um, and that's exactly how I felt on the last day I flew. And actually, I had been um, not long before that, a few days before that, I had been staying. Uh, I'd been to stay the night with my brother-in-law in London. And, um, you know, we were saying, oh, isn't this weird, this virus thing that everyone's talking about from China, you know, yeah. isn't it so strange? And why is everyone making such a big fuss about it? Yeah. And I then drove from their house back to Gatwick 
that day to go to work and my brother-in-law texted me and said I've just tested positive for Covid and I was like <gasps> so I then went to had to go and speak to my airline management and say well does that can I still fly I've been in the same house as someone that's tested positive I haven't been in con physical contact with him but I have been and, and they said yes absolutely you're, you can fly that there's not a problem um but, but yeah it was that moment on interestingly it was like that wasn't it it was like suddenly you had to question everything it was can yeah. I here? can I do this what are the rules oh this has happened that person's got a cough this person's got this what's going and suddenly this whole last year here we are a year later you know just how much has changed it's extraordinary isn't it so I think this time is going to be really interesting for people because we, we naturally tend to reflect don't we at anniversaries and when the seasons change again and we sort of think about what we were doing this time last year and this year it's like wow you know we've we've been through something huge haven't we and and actually it's an opportunity I think for for many of us to stop and think what what do we want life to be like going forward you know absolutely what do we want what what do we what do we want from our lives but what do we you know start with the basics what do we need you know I need to pay the mortgage yeah. I need to eat yeah. um that's and pretty much in contact I think what yeah. you're doing with Project Wingman speaks to that third need, that kind of, um, you know, we can all absolutely safety and like making sure we're fed and safe is number one. But then there is this other absolutely fundamental human need, isn't there, that we need to feel connected to each other. Like we need to feel absolutely. heard and supported. And even the, the kind of loners amongst us still need a little bit of that, don't we, from time to time. Well, I know people who... Um... Yeah, my, the lady I used to live with, I used to lodge with, um, is very, very, I, I'm a very tactile person. I come from a very huggy family. Me too, and, I'm a hugger, you know, yeah. <laughs> we cuddle a lot, you know, in our family. Even the men are, you know, completely uninhibited about that, which is lovely and right. Um, and, and my previous um, landlady, um, very, very non-tactile. And even she has said, I actually really wish I could hug you. Yeah. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's yeah. a bit, that's yeah. really saying something, you know. And I, I think actually we have to be very mindful of the fact that this is just the beginning of how yeah. we need to start looking after each other. Yeah. And what Project Wingman has, Project Wingman has done a number of things for all of us. Um, so it's obviously been a massive benefit to NHS staff and we're really delighted about that. And it's absolutely our full intention. In fact, I have just literally been in a meeting about how we're going to make Project Wingman more enticing to people in the future mm. in terms of working for us. Because um, everybody's volunteers at the moment, but my vision for Project Wingman stretches you know, 30 years into the future. I want to be sitting in 30 years time looking back and saying, well, COVID started Project Wingman, but look at what it's done. Well, I'd love everybody. to have you back on the podcast then as well. And <laughs> times in between to keep up with yeah. I'll be in my 70s, but... <laughs> That's all right. We can, we can just, you know... We can still do that. <laughs> but, you know, what it's done as well is it, it, it's given me a much greater, and all of us a much greater appreciation of what life is like within the NHS, particularly within NHS hospitals and things. And, you know, both airline staff and the NHS work in a high pressure environment where you've got to make decisions quickly and they um, could be life changing yeah. for people. So you've got to, to have that degree of professionalism. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's why that's why it has worked so well, putting air crew into these environments, because we get where you're coming from. But we are not, you know, mm. we understand you, but we're not you. Yeah. And in the same way as airline staff don't want to talk to each other about whatever's going on in their lives, because they might have to fly with you the next day. And then there'll be all these questions about, oh, well, you know, yesterday yeah. they talked about this. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly the same in the NHS. And we completely understand that there yeah. are lots of processes in place yeah. within the NHS for you to be able to talk to each other. But actually, why would you want to go and share something deeply personal and potentially career changing mm. with somebody that you then might be working with or sitting in a meeting with the next day? Yeah. So it's that anonymity allows you to sort of share an awful lot more yeah. than perhaps you might want to do with somebody that, you know, yeah. you could be, you yeah. could know quite well or, or whatever. So, and, and we kind of liken it to sort of having a chat with your mates down the pub without it being your mates and without being in the pub. Without the alcohol, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. About this, the, the, the kind of so many similarities between um, the airline industry and healthcare. And I was thinking about how, 
you know, we have lots of processes and procedures and ways of doing things that have been worked out over time, you know, to keep people safe, to, to make things work well. And, um, and yet there are also both industries in which you have to be able to pivot absolutely almost instantaneously, like to any challenge that comes along. And like you say, that idea of what it feels like to know that your decision might have life and death consequences, it's really unique, isn't it? Um, and to live with yeah it's a massive amount of responsibility yeah to have on your shoulders and um and you know in in the airline industry you are financially rewarded very well for those decision making abilities as you are i suspect at the upper end of the sort of echelons of the nhs but you know actually everybody um that we've been caring for is making those sorts of decisions every day and and you know you've been thrown into this situation well we've all been thrown into this situation that none of us really know how to deal with and it's been relentless and i think what's coming um and i love the way this was described recently as the secondary parallel pandemic um Mm -hmm. is i feel like the lid is about to be lifted off the pressure cooker and we have all been dealing with this. Yeah. And, you know, so we've had the initial sort of adrenaline surge of people getting through the the first lockdown and everything. Um, And people have gradually learned to live with a much higher level of pressure than we were all living under before. But actually the lid is gonna come off at some point. And we have to be ready for that. I think it's already coming off for some people, isn't it? I think it's, we've been under extraordinary pressure for, for, well, well over a year for some of us. Um, And yeah, and I think those lids are going to pop off randomly and unpredictably, and it's going to feel very messy. Mm. Right. And I think, yeah, the secondary parallel pandemic, I think there's this slight lag behind, isn't there? But it's going to have a huge impact on going. Um, I hope the things like, you know, what you're doing with Project Wingman, what we're trying to do with Joyful Doctor, kind of just holding spaces that are safe places for people to land and just feel whatever they're feeling actually and just normalize that that it's okay that we will get through this that it may take some time because when you've been under pressure for that long it can take a bit of time to to kind of recalibrate and and let the steam off and and let things settle out again but to know that you're not alone in that to know that there are places you can go that other people do feel this way too that you're not and this is going to stretch to i mean this is going to stretch into the wider community as well i mean this i think the the lid's going to come off initially you know for NHS staff as Mm. things start to ease off although I don't think they're ever going to ease off completely Um, under extraordinary pressure before this weren't they absolutely and all of and all of those things that have been put off are going to have to be caught up with but also just in our personal lives you know there may well be things that have been put off by people saying do you know what I can't deal with this now because of my job when there's time we'll look at this and that those things might be really significant things like divorces and affairs and things that are in their own right catastrophic yeah yeah and they are going to come to the fore and and they're going to create so much more damage because of the emotional things that have been all sort of held in and pent up for that whole period of time mm-hmm. and there have to be you know things like joyful doctor and project wing ran and various other charities need to be there as you say and to to just catch people as they fall yeah and 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 in a non-judgmental environment as well and i think that's really important that you know well, there's no think- judging in this yeah, and I think the important thing is we've all been there. We are all there in it together, aren't we? I mean, you and I, I mean, I certainly am absolutely on the same roller coaster as everybody else, as we were talking about just before we started recording today. You know, at the moment, yeah, good days and bad days still. It's, I feel. Well, the way I love to describe it is that we're all in the same storm. So people have often said, oh, we're all in the same, we're all in the same boat together. And we're Mm -hmm. absolutely not in the same boat. Of course we're not. Some people are on cruise liners and they're coping and it's okay. Other people are literally drowning without a life jacket. Yeah. And other people might be in a rowing boat and, and all kind of craft in between. And I think really th- there's a couple of secrets here. One is, I think, if you're in a cruise liner, 
you need to look out for the people that are drowning and try and hook them in. Yeah. If you're drowning, you need to allow the people on the cruise liner yeah. to save you or to, or to reach out to you and try and hook yeah. on. Yeah. And also to remember that you can change boats. Yes. So one day um, you might be in a cruise liner yeah. and another day you might be thinking, do you know what? This kayak is really small. Yeah. <laughs> and we are... And I guess Project Roman and, you know, is maybe like a kind of almost like a, they have sort of, um, oh, what do they call them? Is it not rescue boats, but kind of nurse boats or tender boats that kind of go about and look after the other boats and kind of are just there. And you're just in amongst mm. all these boats and drowning people and cruise like just for when people want to come on board, they can and, and just have well, that yeah. bite and have that bit of, you know, be, get dried off, get warm, you know, feel a bit loved again and safe. Well, absolutely. And the other benefit of that, of course, is the air crew who've been volunteering for us because they've also been facing yeah. this tidal wave of something to do, something to fear. focus on, like you said, mm. you know, something to, we all want to help, don't we? At the end of the day, we're driven by the same um, meaning, by the same drive to want to help one another support one another and yeah absolutely and the thing that you know the thing that gives me hope is that the storms end they can't last forever yeah, yeah the waters will calm down again won't they and, and other storms will come of course in our lifetime that's that's what life is like it's calm waters and stormy waters and and I was just thinking about your metaphor with the boats that of course you are actually getting out there a bit more as well because I think you'd is there something happening with buses mm. is that yeah so it's really exciting actually so we had these 94 we've had 94 sort of static sites across the country um in total and just last summer um we had this thing called a lounge in a van which was actually um literally that a, a method of getting equipment to hospitals in vans yeah. and um we kind of had this conversation saying yeah but what if we had an actual lounge in a, a moving van. vehicle yeah and literally in a meeting, we said, well, we could get, a, you know, we could do it on a bus, double-decker bus. Yeah. Within about five minutes, at least three of the boys in the meeting had found buses we could buy, <laughs> <laughs> which was brilliant. And um, so, yeah, and then we, we had people that were just so excited about this. They really ran with it. And we bought our bus well we, we've crowdfunded the bus mm -hmm. so we've partially paid for it and um, the company we've bought it from has been very supportive and and done it in a way that we can pay the rest later kind of thing mm -hmm. we launched it um actually at Maidstone in December um well that was like a pre-launch and then its first um hospital visit was um it went to Homerton in Hackney Wonderful. and um Homerton University Hospital Trust and um it was it's fantastic it's beautiful it's a thing oh. of wonder it's this yeah it's, it's a, oh, i can't wait to see it in person in oh, it's amazing yeah it's already could be it was already converted so it has a raised glass roof upstairs which just gives it this completely different oh. feel and i mean i'm talking about it as someone who's never actually been on the bus or seen it because <laughs> i haven't left the north of scotland for a year yeah and um and it's just lovely and the volunteers that have been involved in taking that on the road have just bent over backwards to make it look even more lovely so oh. we've had balloon arches and it has an awning anyway so we've got a little picket fence and, oh, and bucket wonderful. chairs and things and obviously as as the weather gets warmer as well that's going to be even more beneficial but it's just beautiful and, and we've had such amazing feedback from people so it moved from there to St Helier in Epsom and it's gone um it's at Wexham Park at the moment today um having bit it's in the Frimley Trust uh, remit at the moment can work anywhere can't it this simple idea of providing a safe place and some compassion some tea and empathy can just and we've got more buses coming which is oh, fantastic so what we want to do is take this everywhere you know oh. this is because it's something everybody so everybody needs if there's a bus coming to them sometime soon how would they be able to follow what you're up to and where you are and whether there's a lounge near them or if they wanted to yeah come so back. you can follow us on social media um we have a twitter account if you look up project wingman on twitter instagram facebook linkedin you'll find um, we have project wingman accounts there right. the bus is called wellby so the first one is called wellby and we're going to have we, we'll probably be running competitions actually for naming buses in the future uh, um is that well w-e-l-b-y or w-e-l-l-b-e-e -E -E. 
E E. Oh, like a well be. Well be. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, well be the boss. And um at some point we will have a tracker um for well be um and the other buses on its own kind of social media platform. But for now we're just trying to keep things simple and do it well. <laughs> yeah, so um, we can follow you, we can follow you across social media and, and obviously I've seen I was in a hospital the other day getting a blood test done and I saw some posters up saying, you know, a first class lounge this way, please come and say hello. Oh fantastic. Yeah. So so do keep your eyes peeled if you're out there in hospitals, you know, for a bus or a lounge coming to you soon. Um, and well, we have a website as well, which is right. www.projectwingman.co.uk. And through that, you can buy merchandise with it. We've got rainbow merchandise you can have a look at, which is quite oh, fun. So if you if but, you want um, to support the cause, they can get on there and, and buy some stuff and then help you out in that way as well. Fantastic. Absolutely. But you can also take part in like we've got wellbeing weekends and things like that coming up that, you oh. know, you don't have to pay to join in these things. You can just take part and Lovely. get out there and promote your own well-being as well. So. Yeah. Wonderful. So what would you say to anybody listening to this that um, perhaps is struggling a bit, maybe a, a healthcare worker, somebody in the NHS, whatever role, whatever they're up to, however they're feeling, what would you, what one thing would you want to say to them if this was your, your kind of last chance to, to reach out to them, get through to them? What would you want to so say? So firstly, I'd say thank you for the service that you've given, because it really is something that means so much to all of us. And I know you don't always get recognized in the way that you should but mainly I would say you know find somebody who's on a cruise liner and um, allow them to reach out to you hook your anchor onto something strong or someone strong it's okay to say I'm not I'm not coping I need you to and it's also okay to say I'm not coping, but in 10 minutes, when I've spoken to you, I'm going to be feeling a lot better. You know, you don't have to be miserable all the time for people yeah. to give you sort of the help you need. Um, but you such just, a great, just own it. That's such a great point, Emma, because I think often I see in healthcare workers and particularly the doctors we see, they will say, you know, oh, I'm OK because, you know, I'm not I'm not feeling like this all the time. But actually, of course, we don't when we're struggling. We're not you know unless we're really really in the pits of very very severe you know depression or anxiety where actually most of us our feelings change throughout the day so we can be absolutely in a fit of tears one minute and then actually put ourselves together and be okay the next so just yeah, give yourself that. permission to look after yourself because it's you're no good to anyone if you don't so oh, please the magic word there emma permission we love permission at joyful doctor that's <laughs> one of our core values that we talk about a lot so and that's a really nice word to end with i think um today um it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to to meet you to connect with you these last few months to see what you're doing and and can I just reflect back to you a, a massive thank you from all of the NHS staff that are benefiting from the incredible work that you and your colleagues at Project Wingman are doing and please keep it up and um yeah and please come back on the podcast and let us know how it's going um in the future it'd be lovely I'd love to, to from you again thank you so much for joining me a today. real pleasure to talk to you thank you Caroline bye for now bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast, um, one of our special editions about uh, the COVID pandemic and how we can support ourselves as doctors through this um, challenging time. Please, if this podcast has helped you at all or you think it might help others, please do share it um, far and wide. We want to try and reach and help as many doctors as we possibly can to get through um, this time together. We are going to get through this together. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.
and welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. My name is Dr Caroline Walker and I'm a psychiatrist and a specialist in doctor's well-being. Uh, These next few podcasts are going to be a special series of podcasts in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, looking at lots of different ways that we can support ourselves as doctors um, out there struggling through this, um, these challenging times. So please, if you find these um, podcasts helpful, please do spread them far and wide uh, to your doctor colleagues and to other healthcare professionals, or in fact, anyone you think might be helped by them. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this latest episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast. Um, I am really thrilled today. We have got a special episode. Um, I'm getting to interview somebody that really inspires me personally and is doing something incredible at the moment. Um, And that is Emma Henderson from Project Wingman. Hi, Emma. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely brilliant to be able to chat to you today. Oh, it's so great. I'm really excited um, to have this opportunity actually to hear a bit more about Project Wingman and to spread the word about it because I just think it's a most wonderful um, idea and I just I just think it's amazing. So tell us, tell us a bit about it. Tell us about you. Tell us about Project Wingman. How did it all come about? Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, I was until September last year, I was an airline captain flying for a large European airline which has orange aircraft and um, as a result of having done that job I had appeared in um, an ITV documentary so I had sort of become known as Captain Emma and um, in March last year I was flying around doing my job flying around Europe and suddenly the news broke that you know one day there was this virus in China the next minute all aircraft were grounded and it looked like a very, very bleak future mm. for us. And it has been quite bleak, actually. So mm. literally, um, I can remember, and I probably will never forget my last flight, which turned out to be my last ever flight. Mm. And uh, I just had this sort of feeling that something massive was coming towards us that we couldn't control. You know, yeah. I imagine like standing on a beach and watching a tidal wave coming towards you yeah. and not knowing what to do, really. So, you know, I sort of came home and kind of figured that that was the last time I was going to be down south for a while which was true but actually at the same time I just knew that there was something that we could do to help that there had to be something we could do to help with this situation because you know there are thousands and thousands of air crew in the air every day and suddenly we weren't and Mm -hmm. there are a unique set of skills that air crew hold Mm. Um, as a result of their doing their jobs every day and as a result of the training they receive so I knew that there was a way of matching those up somehow with being able to support the NHS and I wasn't quite sure because that was the other big story in the news you know airlines are going to be grounded nobody's going to be able to go anywhere and the NHS is about to be punched in the face basically and um, there had to be a way we could help And I actually initially thought, well, you know, cabin crew all first aid trained, perhaps they Mm. could go and physically help in hospitals. But Mm. as it turned out, I was introduced to a couple of other people that were thinking along similar lines. Mm. And it's those transferable skills of, you know, caring for people and Mm. meeting people where they're at, basically, that we've been able to put to good use. And so Project Wingman was born and that happened kind of about a year ago now actually and our first hospital launched at the end of March at the Whittington Mm -hmm. and our first hospital lounge at the Whittington in London and it's still running. So what are these lounges? What are they all about? Who are they for? What do they do? What's the idea? So the idea is that we take air crew who are grounded Mm -hmm. and um we send them into a space in the hospital. So we ask the hospital to provide us with a space that's large enough to practice social distancing, mm-hmm. is separated from patients mm-hmm. so that it's only accessible to staff and that d- provides the protection that we need yeah. um, as well as PPE that's worn and everything. Um, so that provides us with a degree of protection from infection. And um, then we ask for tea and coffee and things like that to be provided. So we said, we'll come in and provide effectively tea and empathy. And Mm. in doing that, what we're basically doing is wrapping our arms around the NHS and saying, we've got this. 
So, um, so you're caring. It was beautifully staff. described, actually. So you're, you're yeah, for, it's for all NHS staff. Yeah. So instead of having passengers on your exactly. airline, you're, you've now got the NHS staff or your sort of passengers who you're looking after, who you're taking care of, who you're talking to, wrapping your arms around and offering a cup of tea or coffee. Yeah. Very much so. And that's all it is. You know, we're not trained counsellors. Um, we're just professionals who during the course of our normal working day, um, you might come on board an aircraft and we don't know if you're you know, the CEO of some big multinational company or if you serve dinners in school, to yeah. us, you're all equal. Yeah. So when you come on board an aircraft, you're all the same. Yeah. And um, that's the same in the hospital. We don't actually know when you walk into a hospital lounge, yeah. if you're a senior consultant anaesthetist, yeah. or if you're a porter. Yeah. To us, you're equally as important. And, and I think that really matters. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we basically, the, the cup of tea is there to facilitate the empathy really <laughs> so you know people are more likely to chat over a hot drink than yeah. they are to just come in and say oh, I need to talk yeah. um, and there's no need to talk about problems either um, often just being able to talk to somebody and we've touched on this a little bit this morning haven't we Caroline that you know the isolation we've all felt yeah absolutely not able to go to work you know you don't bounce ideas off each other if you can't see them we're really missing that face-to-face -face human contact. And although you might be doing it socially distanced, it, it does even feel better just being in the same room as somebody as opposed to being on a screen. Yeah. Exactly that. And, you know, um, just some at the very beginning, and some of the people who are listening to this might well have been these people, but there were lots of people who were going into hospitals for their shifts mm. and they didn't go home for weeks. Yeah. So, um, you know, sleeping in the hospital even simple things like access to phone chargers so they could still communicate with their families. Yeah. Um, toothbrushes, things like that. So the Whittington set up an Amazon wish list to help provide for these things. And then hospitals over the, throughout the whole country were inundated with generous donations from the public, but they all needed to be distributed yeah. because of this sort of fight or flight, you know, I need sugar and I need it now and I need lots of it kind of thing. Yeah. So that kind of added to the idea of the tea and empathy lounge. So it developed then into uh, what we've called first class lounges because we want to provide first class service for what we consider to be first class people mm. who every single day, whether we choose for you to look after us or not, you will look at. We know that if something happens to us, NHS staff are going to look after us. Yeah. So it's basically just our way of saying, you know, this is how we can be. Um, I guess the rock that you can anchor your ship to in the storm. So you start um, in whatever way. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. You started with that one lounge back in March last year when the COVID sort of first peaks hit. How many? What's it grown into then over this last year? Well, that's been the staggering thing because yeah, we really thought we might serve a couple of hospitals in London with maybe a hundred volunteers or something. Yeah. Now we have six thousand volunteers on our database. We have had lounges in 94 different trusts um, mm -hmm. across the country, across all four nations, because we opened in Belfast just before Christmas. Wow. And um, that's stretched over the length and breadth of the country. So the furthest north is my local hospital, which is Dr. Gray's in Elgin yeah. in Murrayshire, um, right in the north of Scotland. And then we've gone all the way down the country. I think the furthest south um, is probably in Devon. Um, Wow. Uh, but, but possibly one of the South Coast. I'm not sure exactly yeah. which is the geographically the furthest south, but we go all the way down to the Land South Coast. Down great. That's incredible. So, and how are people using them? How are they finding them? What kind of feedback are you getting from the hospital staff? More or less. Oh, we just lost your connection just slightly there. We'll give it a couple of seconds. I'm sure it will come back to it. Oh, well, it's been, we can. This is the world we're oh, living in, isn't it? Sorry, one second. I think we've got you back now, Emma. Yeah, sorry. See, we, I was just asking. So sorry about um, that. No, don't worry. Um, we all know, don't we? This is this is the modern the world we're living in. Um, uh, we, I was just asking what sort of feedback you've been getting from um, people using the lounges. Yeah, well, that's been amazing because, you know, we went in to look after people and we are inundated with emails, messages, cards, texts, uh, tweets, all the time saying thank you so much you've really 
changed my life. You've made a difference to my day. You've, you've helped me get through this, um, which is just, it, yeah, that yeah. it wasn't what we, yeah, we, we, we were never set out to get that sort of level of thanks, but we have really made, we realize we've really made a tangible difference to the lives of the people who've been able to go into our lounges. Yeah. And what I love and, about um, it's very much in alliance with what we do at Joyful Doctor as well is that it's not some big fancy intervention. It's not complicated. This is just based on basically being human and compassionate and caring for one another, just having a safe space where you can land and just it's exactly. Open. Yeah. That I just think Absolutely. is so powerful. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, um, I think it's very difficult to really appreciate how, amazing it is when you're in it as you know as I have been immersed in it now for almost yeah. a year yeah. and to the point where you know if I hadn't have had Project Wingman to focus on I yes. probably would still be working for my airline and and having this to focus on mm. helped me to understand that I could step away from the job that was becoming increasingly difficult for me to do because I couldn't get there anymore yeah yeah um, and a lifestyle that actually you know looking back I think yeah I'm, I'm kind of okay with the fact that I'm walking away I, I can switch that lifestyle off now I don't need to be beasting myself all the time well and I wonder I wonder actually whether people listening, because most of our listeners will be healthcare workers, they'll be doctors, nurses, etc. I wonder whether many will identify with that actually, that idea that they were working before COVID in a way that was pretty much unsustainable, actually, really exhausting. We all were. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we all were. I and think we all were. I think that uh, you know, we we've there's so much pressure on us. And this is how you and I first met, really, isn't it, Caroline? Yeah. That, you know, my husband heard you on the radio and and I then listened to what you had to say and I said yeah that exactly that and um you know we 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 think that we've got to, we I think we think that success is earn as much money as possible you know have a flash car have the biggest house you can when actually success is really have enough yeah you know make sure you have enough um it's, yeah it's a meaningful life isn't it rather than a happy pleasurable life well, I just think, what, what's the point of flogging yourself yeah. if actually that means, in my case, it meant that, yes, I was earning a lot of money and I loved my job as well. Um, but actually, I was away from my family for, you know, five days at a time. Yeah. When I came home, I was constantly tired and crabby, um, yeah. although some of my family would argue that that's nothing to do with my job. <laughs> 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 I will write them out of my will. Um, but, but, you know, we, we don't need to live like that. It's too fast paced. And actually, what are we really gaining? Because actually, if we're burning our own houses down to do it, yeah. what's the point? And this, so, I think this is a really interesting time we're in right now. Like we're recording this at the beginning of March. I, I will go out in the next month or two. And I, I think this is a very interesting time because we're one year on, right? From when like you described so beautifully, one minute, you're living your life, you're flying, you're doing your job. The next minute, bang, everything's turned upside down. You're, you're literally grounded, weren't you? And we, you know, our worlds in healthcare were just turned completely inside out. Everybody being reorganized, a real sense of fear. I, I really related to that um, that feeling you had of something coming that you sort of knew, that you sort of sensed. Because I, I turned, um, happened to turn 40 the week before lockdown and I'd organized this family party. Um, and we happened to, we had it just a few days before lockdown kind of came into effect so it was this it was this golden day where we hadn't quite got to the point yet where we felt like we weren't allowed to see each other like it was almost the last day that we felt it was okay it was allowed it was you know it was safe it was okay after that it just everything changed everything changed but even on that day when we were all together we knew I remember saying to everybody thank you so much for coming we don't know what the next few months or the next year is going to hold, but something's coming. And it's so nice to be able to be here with you. Um, and that's exactly how I felt on the last day I flew. And actually, I had been um, not long before that, a few days before that, I had been staying. With, uh, I'd been to stay the night with my brother-in-law in London. And, um, you know, we were saying, oh, isn't this weird, this virus thing that everyone's talking about from China, you know, yeah. isn't it so strange? And why is everyone making such a big fuss about it? Yeah. And I then drove from their house back to Gatwick 
that day to go to work mm. and my brother-in-law texted me and said I've just tested positive for Covid and I was like <gasps> so I then went to had to go and speak to my airline management and say well does that can I still fly I've been in the same house as someone that's tested positive I haven't been in con physical contact with him but I have been and, and they said yes absolutely you're, you can fly that there's not a problem um but, but yeah it was that moment on interestingly it was like that wasn't it it was like suddenly you had to question everything it was can yeah. I here? can I do this what are the rules oh this has happened that person's got a cough this person's got this what's going and suddenly this whole last year here we are a year later you know just how much has changed it's extraordinary isn't it so I think this time is going to be really interesting for people because we, we naturally tend to reflect don't we at anniversaries and when the seasons change again and we sort of think about what we were doing this time last year and this year it's like wow you know we've we've been through something huge haven't we and and actually it's an opportunity I think for for many of us to stop and think what what do we want life to be like going forward you know absolutely what do we want what what do we what do we want from our lives but what do we you know start with the basics what do we need you know I need to pay the mortgage I need to eat um that's pretty much in contact I think what yeah. you're doing with Project Wingman speaks to that third need, that kind of, um, you know, we can all absolutely safety and like making sure we're fed and safe is number one. But then there is this other absolutely fundamental human need, isn't there, that we need to feel connected to each other. Like we need to feel absolutely. heard and supported and even the, the kind of loners amongst us still need a little bit of that, don't we, from time to time. Well, I know people who... Um... Yeah, my, the lady I used to live with, I used to lodge with, um, is very, very, I, I'm a very tactile person. I come from a very huggy family. Me too, and, I'm a hugger, you know, yeah. <laughs> we cuddle a lot, you know, in our family. Even the men are, you know, completely uninhibited about that, which is lovely and right. Um, and, and my previous um, landlady, um, very, very non-tactile. And even she has said, I actually really wish I could hug you. Yeah. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's yeah. a bit, that's yeah. really saying something, you know. And oh, I think actually we have to be very mindful of the fact that this is just the beginning of how yeah. we need to start looking after each other. Yeah. And what Project Wingman has, Project Wingman has done a number of things for all of us. Um, so it's obviously been a massive benefit to NHS staff and we're really delighted about that. And it's absolutely our full intention. In fact, I have just literally been in a meeting about how we're going to make Project Wingman more enticing to people in the future mm. in terms of working for us. Because um, everybody's volunteers at the moment, but my vision for Project Wingman stretches you know, 30 years into the future. I want to be sitting in 30 years time, looking back and saying, well, COVID started Project Wingman, but look at what it's done. Well, I'd love everybody. to have you back on the podcast then as well. And <laughs> times in between to keep up with it. Yeah. I'll be in my seventies, but <laughs> that's all right. We can we can just you know we can still do that. <laughs> but you know what it's done as well is it, it's given me a much greater and all of us a much greater appreciation of what life is like within the NHS, particularly within NHS hospitals and things. And you know, both airline staff and the NHS work in a high pressure environment where you've got to make decisions quickly, and they um, could be life changing for people so you've got to, to have that degree of professionalism mm -hmm. um, and, and and that's why that's why it has worked so well putting air crew into these environments because we get where you're coming from but we are not you know mm. we understand you but we're not you yeah and in the same way as airline staff don't want to talk to each other about whatever's going on in their lives because they might have to fly with you the next day and then there'll be all these questions about oh well you know yesterday yeah. they talked about this yeah it's exactly the same in the NHS and we completely understand that there are lots of processes in place yeah. within the NHS for you to be able to talk to each other but actually why would you want to go and share something deeply personal and potentially career-changing mm. with somebody that you then might be working with or sitting in a meeting with the next day yeah. so it's that anonymity allows you to sort of share an awful lot more yeah. than perhaps you might want to do with somebody that you know yeah. you could be you could know quite well or or whatever so and, and we kind of liken it to sort of having a chat with your mates down the pub without it being your mates and without being in the pub without the alcohol yeah <laughs> yeah so about this the, the the kind of so many similarities between um the airline industry and healthcare and I was thinking about how 
you know, we have lots of processes and procedures and ways of doing things that have been worked out over time, you know, to keep people safe, to, to make things work well. And, um, and yet they're also both industries in which you have to be able to pivot absolutely almost instantaneously, like to any challenge that comes along. And like you say, that idea of what it feels like to know that your decision might have life and death consequences, it's really unique, isn't it? Um, and to live with yeah it's a massive amount of responsibility yeah to have on your shoulders and um and you know in in the airline industry you are financially rewarded very well for those decision making abilities as you are i suspect at the upper end of the sort of echelons of the nhs but you know actually everybody um that we've been caring for is making those sorts of decisions every day and and you know you've been thrown into this situation well we've all been thrown into this situation that none of us really know how to deal with and it's been relentless and i think what's coming um and i love the way this was described recently as the secondary parallel pandemic um Mm -hmm. is i feel like the lid is about to be lifted off the pressure cooker and we have all been dealing with this. Yeah. And, you know, so we've had the initial sort of adrenaline surge of people getting through the, the first lockdown and everything. And people have gradually learned to live with a much higher level of pressure than we were all living under before. But actually the lid is gonna come off at some point. And yeah. we have to be ready for that. I think it's already coming off for some people, isn't it? I think it's we've been under extraordinary pressure for, for well, well over a year for some of us. Um, and yeah, and I think those lids are going to pop off randomly and unpredictably and it's going to feel very messy. Mm. And, right. And I think, yeah, the secondary parallel pandemic, I think there's this slight lag behind, isn't there? But it's going to have a huge impact on going. Um, I hope that the things like, you know, what you're doing with Project Wingman, what we're trying to do with Joyful Doctor, kind of just holding spaces that are safe places for people to land and just feel whatever they're feeling, actually, and just normalise that, that it's okay, that we will get through this, that it may take some time, because when you've been under pressure for that long, it can take a bit of time to to kind of recalibrate and and let the steam off and, and let things settle out again. But to know that you're not alone in that, to know that there are places you can go, that other people do feel this way too, that you're not the only And this is going to stretch to, I mean, this is going to stretch into the wider community as well. I mean, this, I think the, oh. the lid's going to come off initially, you know, for NHS staff as mm. things start to ease off, although I don't think they're ever going to ease off completely. No, um, under extraordinary pressure before this weren't they you know, absolutely and, all of, and all of those things that have been put off are going to have to be caught up with but also just in our personal lives you know yeah. there may well be things that have been put off absolutely. by people saying do you know what I can't deal with this now because yeah. of my job when there's time we'll look at this and that those things might be really significant things like divorces yes. and affairs and things that are in their own right catastrophic yeah yeah and they are going to come to the fore and and they're going to create so much more damage because of the emotional things that have been all sort of held in and pent up for that whole period of time and there have to be you know things like joyful doctrine project wing ran and various other charities needs to be there as you say and to to just catch people as they fall and, we, and and in a non-judgmental environment as well. And I think that's really important that, you know, there's no judging in this. Yeah. And I think the important thing is we've all been there. We are all there in it together, aren't we? I mean, you and I, I mean, I certainly am absolutely on the same roller coaster as everybody else, as we were talking about just before we started recording today. You know, at the moment, yeah, good days and bad days still. It's, I feel... Well, the way I love to describe it is that we're all in the same storm. So people have often said, oh, we're all in the same... We're all in the same boat together. And we're Mm -hmm. absolutely not in the same boat. Of course we're not. Some people are on cruise liners and they're coping and it's okay. Other people are literally drowning without a life jacket. Yeah. And other people might be in a rowing boat and, and all kind of craft in between. And I think really th- there's a couple of secrets here. One is, I think, if you're in a cruise liner, 
you need to look out for the people that are drowning and try and hook them in. Yeah. If you're drowning, you need to allow the people on the cruise liner to save you or to, or to reach out to you and try and hook on. Yeah. And also to remember that you can change boats. Yes. So one day Um, you might be in a cruise liner and another day you might be thinking, do you know what? This kayak is really small. (laughs) (laughs) And we are, and I guess Project Roman and, you know, is maybe like a kind of almost like a, re- they have sort of, um, oh, what do they call them? Is it not rescue boats, but kind of nurse boats or tender boats that kind of go about and look after the other boats and kind of are just there. And you're just in amongst mm. all these boats and drowning people and cruise like just for when people want to come on board, they can and, and just have well, that yeah. bite and have that bit of, you know, be, get dried off, get warm, you know, feel a bit loved again and safe. Well, absolutely. And the other benefit of that, of course, is the air crew who've been volunteering for us because they've also been facing yeah. this tidal wave of something to do, something to fear. focus on, like you said, mm. you know, something to, we all want to help, don't we? At the end of the day, we're driven by the same um, meaning, by the same drive to want to help one another support one another and yeah absolutely and the thing that you know the thing that gives me hope is that the storms end they can't last forever yeah the waters will calm down again won't they and and other storms will come of course in our lifetime that's that's what life is like it's calm waters and stormy waters and and I was just thinking about your metaphor with the boats that of course you are actually getting out there a bit more as well because I think you'd is there something happening with buses Mm. is that yeah so it's really exciting actually so we had these 94 we've had 94 sort of static sites across the country um in total and just last summer um we had this thing called a lounge in a van which was actually um literally that a a method of getting equipment to hospitals in vans and um we kind of had this conversation saying yeah but what if we had an actual lounge in a moving vehicle yeah and literally in a meeting, we said, well, we could get, a, you know, we could do it on a bus, double-decker bus. Yeah. Within about five minutes, at least three of the boys in the meeting had found buses we could buy, <laughs> <laughs> which was brilliant. And um, so, yeah, and then we, we had people that were just so excited about this. They really ran with it. And we bought our bus. Well, we, we've crowdfunded the bus. Mm-hmm. So we've partially paid for it. And um, the company we've bought it from has been very supportive and, and done it in a way that we can pay the rest later kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We launched it um, actually at Maidstone in December. Um, well, that was like a pre-launch. And then its first um, hospital visit was, um, it went to Homerton in Hackney. Wonderful. And um, Homerton University Hospital Trust. And um, it was, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's a thing oh. of wonder. It's this, yeah. It's, it's a, oh, I can't wait to see it in person. In oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's already could be, it was already converted. So it has a raised glass roof upstairs, which just gives it this completely different oh. feel. And I mean, I'm talking about it as someone who's never actually been on the bus or seen it because <laughs> I haven't left the North of Scotland for a year. Yeah. And, um, and it's just lovely. And the volunteers that have been involved in taking that on the road, have just bent over backwards to make it look even more lovely so oh. we've had balloon arches and it has an awning anyway so we've got a little picket fence and, oh, and bucket chairs and things and obviously as as the weather gets warmer as well that's going to be even more beneficial but it's just beautiful and, and we've had such amazing feedback from people so it moved from there to St Helier in Epsom and it's gone um it's at Wexham Park at the moment today um having bit it's in the Frimley Trust uh, remit at the moment can work anywhere can't it this simple idea of providing a safe place and some compassion some tea and empathy can just and we've got more buses coming which is oh, fantastic so what we want to do is take this everywhere you know oh. this is because it's something everybody so everybody needs find out if there's a bus coming to them sometime soon how would they be able to follow what you're up to and where you are and whether there's a lounge near them or if they wanted to yeah come so you can follow us on social media um we have a twitter account if you look up project wingman on twitter instagram facebook linkedin you'll find um, we have project wingman accounts there the bus is called wellby so the first one is called wellby and we're going to have we'll probably be running competitions actually for naming buses in the future um is that well w-e-l-b-y or w-e-l-l-b-e-e 
E E. Oh, like a well be. Well be. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, well be the boss. And um at some point we will have a tracker um for well be um and the other buses on its own kind of social media platform. But for now we're just trying to keep things simple and do it well. <laughs> yeah, so um, we can follow you, we can follow you across social media and, and obviously I've seen I was in a hospital the other day getting a blood test done and I saw some posters up saying, you know, uh, first class lounge this way, please come and say hello. Oh fantastic. Yeah. So so do keep your eyes peeled if you're out there in hospitals, you know, for a bus or a lounge coming to you soon. Um, and well, we have a website as well, which is www.projectwingman.co.uk. And through that, you can buy merchandise with it. We've got rainbow merchandise you can have a look at, which is quite fun. So if you, if you but, want um, to support the cause, they can get on there and, and buy some stuff and then help you out in that way as well. Fantastic. Absolutely. But you can also take part in, like, we've got wellbeing weekends and things like that coming up that, you oh. know, you don't have to pay to join in these things. You can just take part and Lovely. get out there and promote your own wellbeing as well. So. Yeah. Wonderful. So what would you say to anybody listening to this that um, perhaps is struggling a bit, maybe a, a healthcare worker, somebody in the NHS, whatever role, whatever they're up to, however they're feeling, what would you, what one thing would you want to say to them if this was your, your kind of last chance to, to reach out to them, get through to them? What would you want to so say? So firstly, I'd say thank you for the service that you've given, because it really is something that means so much to all of us. And I know you don't always get recognized in the way that you should mm. but mainly I would say you know find somebody who's on a cruise liner and um, allow them to reach out to you hook your anchor onto something strong or someone strong it's okay to say I'm not I'm not coping I need you to and it's also okay to say I'm not coping, but in 10 minutes, when I've spoken to you, I'm going to be feeling a lot better. You know, you don't have to be miserable all the time for people yeah. to give you sort of the help you need. Um, but you such just, a great, just own it. That's such a great point, Emma, because I think often I see in healthcare workers and particularly the doctors we see, they will say, you know, oh, I'm OK because, you know, I'm not I'm not feeling like this all the time. But actually, of course, we don't when we're struggling. We're not you know unless we're really really in the pits of very very severe you know depression or anxiety where actually most of us our feelings change throughout the day so we can be absolutely in a fit of tears one minute and then actually put ourselves together and be okay the next so just yeah, give yourself that. permission to look after yourself because it's you're no good to anyone if you don't so oh, please the magic word there emma permission we love permission at joyful doctor that's <laughs> one of our core values that we talk about a lot so and that's a really nice word to end with i think um today um it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to to meet you to connect with you these last few months to see what you're doing and and can I just reflect back to you a, a massive thank you from all of the NHS staff that are benefiting from the incredible work that you and your colleagues at Project Wingman are doing and please keep it up and um yeah and please come back on the podcast and let us know how it's going um in the future it'd be lovely I'd love to, to hear from you again thank you so much for joining me a today. real pleasure to talk to you thank you Caroline bye for now bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast, um, one of our special editions about uh, the COVID pandemic and how we can support ourselves as doctors through this um, challenging time. Please, if this podcast has helped you at all or you think it might help others, please do share it um, far and wide. We want to try and reach and help as many doctors as we possibly can to get through um, this time together. We are going to get through this together. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.